Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Expanding Economics, the podcast where we challenge the status quo of the typical economics textbook. So if you've listened to this podcast before, um, perhaps you're aware that we're a student group and we're a smaller branch of a larger organization, which is called Rethinking Economics. And it's a global network of student groups where we all try to advocate for change in the economic curriculum. So beyond this podcast, uh, our club also does various other activities, events, advocacy, um, and social outreach. And the reason I say this is because for today's episode, we are going to be joined by another member of the group who hasn't been on the podcast before, but has been part of the team for a long time and her name is Jade Rin. Jade leads our advocacy efforts and she has been doing a great job and she's also my peer. We've taken uh, some classes together. We took a class called Econ 511 Energy Economy and Environment together with Michael Babcock who has been on the podcast before. Check out our episode on ecological economics to hear about him. Yeah and within this class, basically, we all had to do a research project or whatever we wanted that was related to energy and the environment. And Jay did hers on the circular economy of Amsterdam. So today, kind of to follow up on our previous episode with JP on degrowth economics, I thought it would be nice to have Jade on the podcast to tell us a little bit about the alternative approach, which is green growth. So I'm very excited to have her today and really excited to share her perspective with everyone. My name is Sophia and you're listening to Expanding Economics. Hi, Jade. Welcome to uh, the podcast. We're super happy to have you. I, would you want to start telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, first, thanks for inviting me. Um, so I am a student at McGill. Uh, I'm studying economics and political science, and I am just done with my degree. So um, yeah, I'm from France, and I am really interested right now or like it's been a few years, but um, I'm really interested in uh, climate change, um, the ecological transition, and um, especially the economic and uh, policy perspective on that. Yeah, very cool. So congratulations on graduating. Um, I'm very curious to hear, <laughs> you're welcome. I'm very curious to hear how you found your degree at McGill like whether you enjoyed it if you thought it was missing things if um, you enjoyed poli-sci or econ more or less I think overall I really enjoyed it um the first year was challenging because all classes were online and stuff so but like I think that's for everyone um I think what I found was lacking I preferred political science because in economics what was lacking was really um different perspectives uh, especially in introductory courses so um i mean learning neoclassical models and 
mathematics is very useful. I'm not saying it's not, but um, you only learn one side of this and economics is not really a science in the sense that all these models, they're, they've not really been pro proven. They're like the results of research, but also um, personal biases. So I thought what was lacking was um, more diversity in the thought that we were taught. Um, and in political science, I thought what was lacking was actually courses on climate change and environmental policy in general. Um, when the economics department has some on, on these topics, so yeah, there has been, especially in the last couple of years, a bit of a increase. Like with obviously the two classes that um, we've both taken with Babcock that are covering logical economics. Um, so I'm curious, what came first? Was it your interested interest in politics that came, and then your interest in like climate change and policy, climate policy, or was it the other way around? No, it's actually politics first. Um, I don't know why, to be honest. This was like one of those things where you're like, well, I really like that domain. And so um, I wanted to go into public policy at first and like be, I don't know, elected to be a representative or something in France. But, you know, I think as like time progresses and you like you get the news and stuff and it, the cl climate change is something you really can't ex ex escape. It's like one of those topics that will be like, or it's this topic that will be um, the main talking point in politics tomorrow, today and tomorrow. So um, I think one of the reason was that, and then also my parents are um, very much, I would say at the forefront of I'm um, trying to find alternatives um, in terms of economic governance and um, in a microeconomic setting because they own a company. And so um, that also helped like me opening up to um, working in environmental policy. Yeah, no, I definitely agree that it's going to be the main talking point, as you said, like today and forever, probably. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. So. In the class that we took together, um, like I already kind of explained a little bit that we all had to kind of choose a research project. And I remember yours was very much kind of looking at what cities are doing tangibly now to become more green. And I think the political move, the most prominent political move is very much this green growth approach, if I'm correct. You know, like politicians want to figure out ways that we can keep being economically productive while becoming more sustainable so this is kind of the direction that's being pursued am i right am i right yeah uh, exactly first because i think it's like more politically savvy to say oh well we won't really change anything in terms of how we live um but like we still can achieve uh like carbon neutrality by 2050 and remain like within um, a global warming of two degrees Celsius. Um, so that's the move. I mean, the European Union has adopted um, green growth. The OECD is pushing for it. I think even the UN is kind of um, advocating for it. So yeah, that's the currently the move. Yeah, and could you tell us a little bit about 
um, what you learned in your research as to what exactly is meant when governments are saying we're going to have green growth or a circular economy. What does this look like? All right. So um, green growth is like this really broad um, term, I would say. So it's basically um, saying, oh, like, we'll keep growing economic opportunities um, and we'll keep growing the economy, the GDP. Um, but at the same time, we'll um, decouple carbon emissions from growth and from the state of the economy um, to attain carbon neutrality. So absolute decoupling means um, as you grow um, your economy, carbon emissions decrease. Um, and the circular economy, uh, it can be interpreted in many ways, but I think um, how it is implemented right now um, across countries is just, it is uh, a practical application of green growth. Um, and so essentially it's like, oh, the current economy is linear. So we extract resources, we make products and then we discard them. Um, and so the circular economy proposes to uh, close the loop in, in, in a sense and just um, try to reuse, repair and recycle uh, goods for and materials for as long as possible to avoid uh, producing waste and to avoid uh, extracting raw materials. And um, some cities that are pursuing this include Amsterdam, which I know you know more about. Is there other cities that you picked up on as well? I think um, there's Tokyo in Japan, if I'm, but I'm not sure about that. And um, there's a lot of cities in Europe that are currently trying to implement it. That it's still like very, I would say, confined to developing countries, uh, developed countries. Right. So the Netherlands um, has kind of been at the forefront of this. And can you kind of explain in what ways, like, why is it that they are at the forefront? Um, what is it that they're doing differently or better than other developed countries right now? Um, I think they're willing, oh, they're like Amsterdam officially announced that they would give up uh, GDP as uh, an indicator of uh, well-being. So um, New Zealand did that as well. I think that's like definitely one of the starting point of um, going uh, circular. They also um, chose to implement Kit Raworth um, Donuts Economics to measure the progress they are making. So um, the donut economics is essentially a big donuts and you have to stay within uh, the border of the donuts, um, both economically and uh, environmentally to have a prosperous society uh, without looking at GDP as a as a measure of prosperity. And so they really, I think what Amsterdam is doing well is that they like used um, the COVID-19 crisis to uh, completely shift um, their policies on the environment and on energy and on the economy. Um, and so, yeah, that is pivotal, I think, to what they're doing today. Right. And can you give any sort of examples of a policy that has been um, 
changed and seems to be showing promise. Yeah, absolutely. So they're um, completely like renovating and developing their public transportation network. And so, um, and also bicycle um, network. And that is really, that has been working. Um, today, about 75% of transportation in Amsterdam are done sustainably so without a car. Sorry, it's electric then, as opposed to most of their transport? So they're like most the like the biggest transport public transportation they have is the, the metro and tramway. So that's electric. And they are currently uh, in the process of um, replacing their buses with e-buses and bicycle are obviously not uh, powered by fossil fuels. And they're also um, implementing carbon emission free zones within the city center. So that will also, I think, uh, really help. And do you know what the time frame of this transition has been for them? Um, like, has this been something they've been working on for five years, 10 years, one year? So public transportation, I would say, started in 2010. Um, and then they're like, they really started implementing implementing their other measures like um um they're trying to shift the consumption habits of the population and i think that started really in 20, 2020 so we can't really see the results of that yet but um the policies they they've outlined are pretty groundbreaking i would say and for changing um when you say changing consumption patterns you refer to this idea they're they're trying to change to be more focused around recycling and repurposing first of all they're trying to be more local um um so promote local agriculture for example and local sourcing of goods um by the city itself um but it's also um collecting waste um, and building more recycling plants, but also uh, promoting um, repair, reparation of the repair of goods, um, because we're not really used to doing that. So for example, your phone is broken. Well, most of us would replace it instead of going to a repair shop and having it repaired, which would save a lot of um, material waste as well as extraction of uh, new resources. And they're also trying to um, build a secondhand market for uh, clothing, for example. In the previous episode we did where I talked with uh, JP, who's very much a degrowther, I asked him, what would your argument be against green growthers? And he said that realistically, we just don't have enough time for green growth. We need to completely degrow. So I would want to ask you, kind of do you have a rebuttal to that or do you think that are you optimistic that we do have enough time um i would say that like green growth could work i mean 70 percent or more than that are due to um consumption of fossil fuels um so that's like enormous so we like we have to phase out fossil fuels and we'll have I, I would say like done the biggest part of the way, but it's also the fact that it's very hard to do that. And um, 
everything in our lives from like your computer to uh, your pen um, are derived from petrol and fossil fuels in general. So um, I would say that I kind of agree with that because um, there, like in advanced economies, there has been an absolute decoupling when we're taking into account um, territorial and consumption-based emissions, but not at a sufficient level to reach carbon neutrality in due time. And also, even if we accelerated um, this decoupling in by 2040, for example, um, the problem of climate change is that it's about the accumulation of uh, greenhouse gas in the air, and so you have to, I would, you have to decrease your emissions um, at a constant, or not a constant rate, but at a sufficient rate um, over 30 years, let's say, um, in order to not overshoot your target to uh, remain within two degrees Celsius uh, in terms of global warming. So um, I would kind of agree with that, um, that we don't have much time. And so, and we're like, the events when we have the largest um, decrease in emissions were um, the 2008 global financial crisis and COVID-19, which were periods where we had um, no growth. So, yeah. So do you think that this political move then towards green growth and um, more sustainable but still productive economies then is the right political move? Or do you think that it's really the only thing that people can get on board with. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it's hard to tell people, well, you like work less, you'll have less income because we have to save the planet because I don't think the threat is yet tangible enough like for people, especially in developed countries. In developing countries, that's a different story, but um, it's hard to say to people, your standards of living probably have to decrease in order for us to remain within um, two degrees Celsius uh, of warming. But it's also the fact that um, it's like, it's hard to, it's also 30 seconds, I'm like, it's also um, like people in developing countries have to like you can't let them um still remain with their standards of living um it's like you can't leave people in poverty because you want to fight climate change i don't think that's an unacceptable trade-off and so what's complicated is that green growth is adopted mainly by developed countries and non-developing countries and so um you don't really know, like, the developed countries already have been overshooting their climate budget for uh, centuries. So, um, like, it should be them that should grow their economy or, like, but it's also they can, they're consuming, they're creating wealth in develop, developing countries. So I think it's, like, a 50-50, or maybe not 50-50, but it's, like... Yeah, it's a... It's a very difficult trade-off, for, for sure. Um, so what's kind of 
through your research this semester in the class and just your degree, th- like what is built on your degree, what was the sort of takeaway you came out with when it comes to this specific issue? Like, I came into the research um, with a lot of preconceived ideas. Um, and actually, I got results that were far greater than I expected in terms of uh, carbon emission reductions from the circular economy. So that was one of the big takeaways is that even if Amsterdam continued to grow at a um, constant 1.2% growth rate per annum, they would still be able to decrease uh, emissions by 76%. So that's like huge, uh, even though it's not enough. Um, so like, I think we, like the degrowth, if there is a degrowth part, it's not as, um, the effort would not be as huge as uh, people make it appear to be. Um, that was a big takeaway. Um, and second of all, well, policies and generally uh, macroeconomy can offer like substantial solutions to climate change. Um, and I don't think individual behaviors um, are the solution to that. Right. Yeah, it's not uh, like us as every day. It's not up to us as students and workers to be trying to make these small or all be making these changes that it has to it really has to be a larger organized effort and um this is kind of going back to the back again to your project but i'm curious um in amsterdam where does their energy come from like what sources of energy are they using so right now um, a lot of natural gas um the electricity is also coming from um, a lot from wind energy and solar panels, although like natural gas is the majority of the energy they're using. Um, there's a very little nuclear energy that's being used, and um, their plan is to fully transition away from natural gas by 2030 um, by using the regions. Um, wind and solar capacity so and they've projected that they would be able to do so that's good to hear and um is there any capacity in which you see other cities or countries beginning to that could follow suit for example uh, like in canada or in france where you're from um in france for sure i mean i think paris is already um on its way to do that because the mayor is um has been at the forefront of like the ecological transition um she's been heavily criticized for that because she's been making life difficult for uh people with cars and stuff um and in canada i see that so i've been montreal is pretty i would say like its transportation network has like developed uh, a lot compared to other American cities. Um, and so I don't see what would be preventing um, the city from going circular. Um, Toronto, I would say is a bit behind on that. Um, 
and Montreal has been implementing a lot of um, initiatives like composting. Um, they're currently trying that out. So I think they're taking small measures that um, are going in the right way. Um, the energy in Quebec is also very clean because a lot of, or like 90% is coming from uh, hydroelectricity. So um, that is basically out of the way. Um, so I would say Montreal is in pretty good position to uh, to transition. Promising news. Hopefully we start to see those changes soon. Um, we're getting close to running out of time, but I wanted to ask, do you have any uh, sort of last tidbits of things to leave the audience with, whether that's to do with your time at McGill, with uh, expanding economics, or with uh, kind of the ecological movement, whatever comes to mind? Um, that's a good question. I would say um, education is a central part of um, the change we're making going forward. And so expanding economics um, has been like one of these um, associations that has, I think like the impact that it can have is really huge because we're advocating for change in the education of, and especially economics because economics have such um, a huge power in decision-making today. Um, and so, yeah, like this is clubs and initiatives like expanding economics really have like, are in a position to um, make real change by educating people on the the options they have, the diversity of what is being set up there. And also um, by introducing new topics um, like ecological economics, which is, I think, essential today. Like, I would say um, if you're taking one thing out of this podcast is like take ecological economics, go learn about um, energy and the environment and how um, the economic system that we're currently in uh, is impacting all these factors. Um, and I think if everyone or if future economists do that, then we'll probably be better off tomorrow yeah i agree 100 um i think it's ecological economics is definitely one of the most important alternative schools that's emerging and i think it's gonna only has like room to grow so and yeah and definitely expanding economics it like we make small strides but it really is uh the way to uh at least it's an attempt to change things and as economists future economists like uh, if we have these perspectives in our back pocket, we can kind of whisper in the ears of the future politicians. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you got to learn something from Jade. She had some very interesting things to say so while we're on the topic we were talking a lot about expanding economics i just want to promote the club a little bit and say if you're a mcgill student and you're an undergrad and you are interested in what we're doing i highly encourage you to apply to join the club in the fall there will be lots of executive positions opening and space for general members i've been part of expanding economics for four years 
and honestly it's uh really has enriched my degree my education and been such a important part of my time at mcgill you uh and just to preface you know we the club accepts all sorts of students from all backgrounds you definitely don't have to be majoring in economics to join so yeah that's all this has been sophia and you're listening to expanding economics <laughs>